0: Building in security from the get-go has been a long-time goal of information security. The National Institute of Standards and Technology is developing guidance to do just that. It's known as NIST Special Publication 800-160, Systems Security Engineering, which emphasizes a methodic engineering approach to defending the security of information systems. Here's NIST fellow Ron Ross, the lead author of the new guidance.
1: We're all relying on the same commercial products today. We're building systems that attack services growing and this is going to give us an opportunity to take a step back and see how we can actually build security in from the start. We've been talking about that forever, but now we do have an approach that actually can work to help us do the things that we've been saying for years. And and by by tying it to an international IEEE and ISO standard, it, it gets broad reach across all of the international community because most of our vendors today in the IT world, especially in the systems world, they're marketing to a global audience. The more we can do there, that's going to help them and then that helps us as well.
0: No system can be perfectly built. Even the strongest systems cannot always prevent the bad guys from penetrating the perimeter. But by taking an engineering approach in building systems defenses, they can become resilient.
1: Our goal here in the grand strategy of things is to increase the penetration resistance at the front end so you stop as many of the bad guys as you can from coming into the system initially but if they do get in the next best thing we can do and this is where the engineering guidance uh, really helps us a lot is to limit the damage the adversary can do once they're inside the system and they can be there a long time before they're detected so limiting the damage they can do by either limiting the time that they're in the system on target so to speak or their lateral movement, which, again, constrains them to moving in certain areas and and being constrained where they can't go in and empty the entire database out. Maybe they only get, you know, 100 records versus 21 million records. Ultimately, we want to make that system survivable, which means the assets that we're focusing on are sufficiently protected so we can survive and we can continue to deliver critical systems and services and capability to customers.
0: The new engineering-focused publication is not aimed to substitute previous NIST guidance and IT security best practices, but to complement them. Many of the legacy approaches to IT security focus on cyber hygiene, tied to security controls and other similar standards. Things that end users can implement themselves, such as configuring firewalls, inventorying IT assets, creating whitelists, deploying encryption technology, adopting two-factor authentication, and so on.
1: But those are all things that you can control from your end. The things we're actually concerned about, and I use this notion of above the waterline and below the waterline. I talk about sharks and glaciers. All the bad things that happen with sharks and glaciers are below the waterline. And that's really in the hardware, the software, the firmware, all of those components coming together into something we call a system. And you've heard the term attack surface, as that complexity grows, that attack surface is growing as well. And it's growing at an alarming rate because we're using more and more of the technologies. You can see this with the smartphones and the tablets, literally millions of applications that are being developed. That's the part that we're we're focused on in the engineering world, is how do we build better software, hardware, and system that we can actually trust? There's never going to be a perfect solution. That's what risk management's all about. You have lots of things within a system. We call those system elements. And those could be hardware, software, firmware components. They could be people, processes, or procedures, but they all come together to form a capability. And that's where we're trying to have the approach where you can do the right thing and elevate the level of confidence you have in that system to be as trustworthy as you need it to be. You can't have highly trusted systems and components everywhere, but where we need to have those in critical infrastructure applications, critical federal systems, we should be able to have a process that gives us that level of confidence.
0: What differentiates the latest draft of the guidance from the original one NIST published two years ago is the inclusion of how organizations function.
1: It really gives a holistic enterprise view of the security issues, and it allows the organization to put the right level of effort into these different process steps to make a difference. And I think that's the, the biggest uh, change from the first draft.
0: More so than ever, IT is being integrated into how businesses operate. Ross sees the new guidance as helping information security officers to get their bosses in the C-suite to visualize the threats posed by the cyber world.
1: When you've got a problem in kinetic space, like you can see planes flying into the World Trade Center and you can see an automobile accident. They're part of the kinetic reaction you have to to those kind of events. With cyberspace, it really is a totally different thing. It almost flies under the radar. A lot of times, these adversaries are inside the system. They're undetected. Things are working just fine, and you don't see any damage because the capability is still there. You're still processing, doing your normal activities, but they're stealing you blind un- under the surface. They're exfiltrating literally millions, and, and I guess the estimate now is up in the billions of dollars of intellectual property that are just being stolen out of these systems to include some critical federal data we've seen in some of the recent attacks. Getting the C-suite and the leadership to the point where they can understand the cyber issues well enough that they can take action that is going to be meaningful. It's difficult when you're seeing everything up and running and things are looking good from the outside. That doesn't mean there's not a lot of bad things happening under the surface that you just can't see. It's kind of like in the early stages of cancer where you have the disease but you really can't detect it yet or it hasn't been detected and you're feeling fine. But that's growing and it's going to be an issue at some point. That's the biggest challenge that we have is to get people involved to the point where they understand the real risks out there and they're willing to take actions to do that.
0: Much of the new guidance is directed toward the makers of technology, but part of the special publication is tailored to the buyers of information technology, such as chief information and chief information security officers in government and the private
1: sector. We have a couple of processes toward the end of the document. They're called the agreement processes, and and there are two of them. One is called acquisition and one is called supply. The acquisition goes through all the steps that you need to go through to make sure that everything that's important with regard to security to you and your organization is reflected in the acquisition process that you're going through to obtain those components or the system or the service that you're going to be implementing within the organization or the federal agency if you're on the government side. The other end of the spectrum is that early in the life cycle, our very first two processes within the system engineering world where we've infused our security activities, they are dealing with things called mission and business analysis, and then the second process is stakeholder requirements and needs. That's where the security team can integrate itself within the very highest levels of the organization when they first start to decide what is the next business opportunity we're going to pursue, what is our next mission area that we think would be a good thing to get into, what kind of information systems or systems in general, because now we're moving into cyber-physical, are going to be needed to make sure that we can actually actually execute that mission or business opportunity in the world where we're totally dependent on technology. And at that point, it gets the security people in an advisory capacity into the C-suite and those initial discussions so they can start early in the life cycle to plan the types of things that are being necessary to actually protect the assets that are part of that system that is going to be built. You get a chance on either end as a CISO to influence the process. We have a huge disconnect today. We have lots of great people doing lots of great things, but we're not getting the right people to the right place in the the system lifecycle to really make a difference. And I think that's the biggest uh, thing I would say that from the CISO side that they could focus on.
0: Ross says the agreement processes should lead to other stakeholders becoming involved in securing critical IT systems
1: after those first two processes, the stakeholders get to weigh in and what their protection needs are. And then out of those protection needs come a set of security requirements, which then get pushed out into the system requirements. And all of that is going to be the kind of material that can go into RFPs and any kind of acquisition process. And those requirements are important because that is the thing that people have to look at in order to say that the system has the appropriate protection capability to really survive in today's world. This process is very holistic. It goes across the entire life cycle. So it, it doesn't include things like requirements definition. It includes the architecture, the design, the implementation, and all of those things to include operations and sustainment and maintenance activities, which are a critical part of an engineering process that goes, you know, from the very first right idea on the design all the way till the end of the life cycle where the system's either disposed of or it morphs into some next generation system with new components and, and new capabilities.
0: Ross and his colleagues at NIST have been working on the new guidance for almost five years. And he says he's absolutely convinced their efforts will pay off in creating more secure IT systems.
1: This attacks the number one threat that we have today and that's complexity. You have to understand what you've deployed, how things are connected together, where the information flows in order to be able to protect that investment, those, those assets that are critical to the nation. This set of processes allows organizations to get into the processes a little bit at a time. There's no expectation that you have to come and do every process. The flexibility and the agility, the fact that it works for agile processes or spiral, no matter what your development methodology is, whether you're a a large software developer or whether you're a small organization, there are bits and pieces of 800-160 that can be very helpful. And you can work your way into a longer-term solution by just starting out, even going into those first two processes and getting the security people into the boardroom, into the, the places where they're making those initial decisions. That's a big step forward. And then from there, you build on that. Over time, this problem will get solved. It's just going to take a little bit of a cultural shift. It's going to take a little bit of commitment, and it's going to take some resources.
0: And Ross says investing in the resources to build more trustworthy systems will be worth the price, just as we discovered in investing in automotive safety.
1: You know, nobody complains about seatbelts and airbags and steel reinforced doors and all the tremendous safety technology that goes into automobiles. It's, it's provided as a standard package now for almost every automobile that we would buy. It wasn't always that way, but over time, we've evolved and safety, just like security, is an emergent property of the system. And that's what really we're saying with this document. We're treating security just like safety.
0: NIST would like to hear from you on how to improve the guidance before it issues the final version of Special Publication 8160, 160 System Security Engineering, by year's end. You have until July 1st to share your views on the guidance with NIST. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Eric Chabro.